Welcome to the Jeremy Mullins podcast, where we take a deep dive into different educational topics so that you can optimize your life. I'm here today with Mr. Tony Schmidt from Green Up Wealth. How are you today, my man? I'm good, my friend. It's good to be back. I know. We had a little delay in getting you on here for the first uh, official education podcast. I know the first one was more of an intro. Um, some good nuggets out of that for sure. But I'm super excited about today. And then we got our co-host or my co-host, Mr. Reno. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. How are you guys? I see you're sporting your uh, United We Stand cap. You're, you're Absolutely, yep. Love it. I like it. Always. Man, I feel left out. Both you guys are sporting your your own business stuff. I've, I've got, a, I got a hat around here somewhere, but I chose not to wear it today. So You have your yeah. logo behind you. It's yeah, okay. you got Everyone sees it. Yes. I got the, okay, logo behind me. We're, we're, we're solid on that. Represent. Um, but in today's podcast uh, with Tony, we're going to really look at the parallel, you know, to financial freedom, financial wellness, um, along with changing our, you know, health, right? So our health and our health journey has a lot of parallels to the financial journey in a lot of different capacities. And I think, you know, as we work on behavior changes to improve, um, you know, our physical performance to increase our, improve our body fat percentage, to improve our blood work. It's kind of the same thing over in the financial world. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, at the end of the day, it starts with a plan, right? Um, and like any plan, they're all great. There's everyone has all kinds of plans on the shelf, but at the end of the day, we got We just got to take it off the shelf and we have to execute and, you know, but it is, it's crucial to have a plan to start. But I think, you know, especially, and I'm going to speak, you know, a lot of times, you know, um, from experience with this in different decades now that I've got some quote experience underneath my belt. But, you know, I remember just thinking that the term investing in the financial retirement world was very complex for me in my 20s. Like, I, and to be honest, like I didn't understand it. So it scared me. Um, and I think that was one of the big emotional plays to me you know, not necessarily jumping on board right away with a plan. Um, and then the simple fact of like, you know, growing up in, and, you know, I think we all get called in this at certain ages or certain times during our life, like, you know, wanting to look rich, right. Versus being rich is kind of the terminology that I, that I like to say. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think, you know, everybody wants to enjoy, you know, life and they want to enjoy the the fun things that come with it. And we can over rotate, right? So we can over rotate into, um, I want to live and enjoy a little too much. And it appears that maybe I have a little more than I do versus finding that right balance of enjoying life, but at the end of the day, still having a plan so that the life you want to have is ultimately the reality of today as well. Yeah. And I, 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 you know, I'm going to a, call Reno and ask him to give his, because when I said that statement of looking rich versus being rich, he kind of smiled and, and nodded. Um, but I will jump in that rabbit hole first. Like I remember, you know, graduating college and, and, you know, to this day, I look at two big mistakes I made in my, my early twenties and I had no, no debt at all. And I remember the first time that I used a credit card for debt, um, I think it was to get a washer and dryer and something else like during college. And I remember being like, well, get a washer and dryer. And then, and then after it was there, it was so easy to use the credit card again, which I then used it for spring break, which was not something <laughs> that really 
I needed. It was something I wanted, right? Um, so that sticks out as a time as like I was almost through college before I, I had any and, and didn't have any debt. And then it's like once I went down that rabbit hole, you know, up until, you know, a few years ago, um, I still had credit card debt. Right. So I spent all that time through 20s and 30s, you know, up until, you know, early 40s before I was able to, to remove all credit card debt, you know, from my life. Right. So I look at that as one one mistake. Um but then, you know, that has a little bit of that looking rich, but I think really the looking rich and being rich, you know, standpoint came into my first purchase, big purchase, which was a, you know, a sports car as soon as I graduated college, right? Because I never had a new car of my own. Um, my parents had always provided me with transportation, you know, and even a, a new car at a certain point, but it was not a sports car, right? And I remember purchasing a, a 350z i think it was at the time was the number of them and it being you know a 600 payment you know this is early 2000s you know 650 650 payment over seven years and i look back at that and man like man if i would have done a roth for seven years at that time at that amount where it would have put me so that's my um you know looking rich and being rich story um reno what is yours because i saw the smile i saw the laugh there has to yeah, be one mine it sounds so dumb looking back. Literally was a Kohl's credit card. Like who in their right mind gets a Kohl's credit card? Um, and it was buying, it, this was during college. So I bought the shoes and the nice clothes or what was supposed to be nice at Kohl's. Now I don't shop at Kohl's, but uh, you walk around college, you just want to look and feel good. Um, and so it, it gives people the impression that, uh, oh, this person either is either working really hard. And at that time I was, I started my first business in college. So it made me seem like my business was doing well with a credit card and, and then I learned real quick that uh, you can't put $500 on a credit card when you make $20 a month as a college student. Um, and I let that lapse uh, month over month. And it, it probably went a full year without being paid. Um, and that, I mean, tanked my credit. So my story is probably right there with everyone else's where you, you get into trouble and you don't know how to get out. So you just kind of pretend it's not there. Well, a wise guy I know named Jeremy talks a lot about, you know, <laughs> if you're driving down the road and, well, there's another part of wise, but we'll leave that out. But you're driving down the road and you get a flat tire, you know, don't flatten the other three, right? Mm -hmm. um, and again, it's true in our nutrition and health journey, but it's no different than our financial journey. You, we can look at it and say, you know, I made this mistake with credit or I didn't save for this period and now I'm, you know, 30, 40, 50 years old. That doesn't mean don't, you know, don't do it now. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, turn the page. It's when I used to coach a lot of soccer and now in wrestling, I always tell the athletes, you know, move on to the next play because whether the last one was good, bad, or ugly, there is one thing that's certain is it's over. And it's about looking through the windshield versus the rearview mirror. And we have to give ourselves some grace and really tie it to what's important to us in the future. 100%. Yeah. Uh, my, my biggest value point, and especially the last uh, two years, three years, um, where I've started to really focus on my financials is diversifying a lot of my investments, uh, whether it be someone like you, um, or even just, I have a little bit of crypto, I have my own personal, just invest free money. If, it, if I lose it, I lose it. Um, but then using credit cards like debit cards. So I, I don't spend what I don't have in the bank account. So I'm getting all my cash backs on different cards and I'm getting all my travel points on different cards. Um, but I'm not swiping. Um, if I don't have $10,000 in the bank, I'm not going to go buy something that's $10,001.
think that's just great guidance right there, right? And again, but that comes back with having a having a plan, right, Reno? So at the end of the day, you know what your budget is, you know what money is there, so you know what you can and can't spend. And I think for you know all the listeners, a budget is just it's a foundationary piece of the financial plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I know we probably don't have a lot of listeners that are younger and in their twenties and, and that, but you know, I we share these stories because we made the mistakes. And if we could go back in time, which we can't, you know, we would definitely, you know right our wrongs and, and make some other, other choices. So I hope, you know, if we do have some younger listeners that are here, you know, they really take the time and stop and look at it and, you know, anybody can start a plan. I think that's probably the biggest takeaway, you know, that I would say is anyone can start, right. You know, always pay yourself something out of every paycheck that you get. You can start somewhere um, from, from that standpoint. Um, But I want to go over some of these numbers that we've seen, um, you know, and you, 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 we were all flying talking a little bit. I've got some that's out of the the book, The Automatic Millionaire, that talks about, you know, if you're starting early and the difference between, you know, in a retirement account, if you start early versus if you start late and there's no bad time to start. That would be the, the, the thing that I would put out there to everyone is like, hey, no matter where you're at, you're in your 40s like me, you know, you're in your 30s like Reno, or even if you're in your 70s like Tony, like, you know, you need to start somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, you know what I appreciate is that you left me in the seventies. Cause we're, if we're rounding up, I'd be near 80, I think, but yeah. dog years. I figured I'd throw it up a couple decades so that, you know, everybody knew it was a, a, a good joke. So even, um, even a couple's a little rough Mullins, but you know, whatever makes you feel good. That's all that matters. And and this is where, you know, and this is just one of the financial books that, that I've enjoyed reading over the time. It's the automatic billionaire by David uh, Bosch. And just like, you know, any book out there on any topic, right? There's good things and bad things, right? Because I'll be 100% honest. I disagreed when here and he was talking about the, the, I can't remember what it was, but he's relating it over. Like, you don't have to track your macros to have success on a nutrition program. And I'm like, but you should for a while, yeah. right? So, <laughs> you know, take it with a grain of salt when you're reading mm-hmm. books. But the big thing I remember out of this was just this difference in, he gave three different investments um, over time, right? And just talked about the time value that comes into retirement, right? And it gave us some examples of like a 15-year-old that put 3K into a retirement plan at 15 years old. Totally get it, right? 15 years old, you know, can a 15-year-old save that money? It's like, well, where are they making that money? And I, and I look back at it, I had more cash in college than I do now. Right. Yeah. If I look back at it, cash on hand, because I was working at the bar, you know, worked at the YMCA, you know, I'm like, I had the cash then, but there was just so many wants that was out there for me that I, I look back and, you know, just look as a mistake. But if they put 3K in for five years from the age 15 to the age of 20, 3K, so they invest 15K. When that individual turns 65 with the assumption of a 10, 10% annual return, once again, could be up minus, but if we just said on average 10% return into whatever vehicle they put this in, 1.6 million. Not a bad return for 15K, but that's the power of the time versus a 27-year-old putting 3K in from the age of 27 until 65 they end up putting 117,000 of their own money in 
and they still have a nice retirement, but it's only 1.3 million. And that just shows the difference in like starting early and getting a little bit in and how that compounding interest over time adds up. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, when, when people ask me, what's the most important thing um, as an investor, I would, you know, I'd say it's really just two things. It's time and discipline, ultimately. Um, you know, time is your greatest asset because there's nothing that can replace it. Compounding is just this massive, massive um, component to success. And the other part, again, is discipline. So that, you know, if we look at, you know, a year like we had a couple of years ago where, you know, the S&P is down north of 20%, the bond market's, you know, off 13%, something we hadn't seen that correlation in years. Um, and you pull your money out, but then you miss this recovery like we had um, last year. And so, you know, again, it's time and discipline are the are much more important than really the security selection um, that, you know, in, in which how you invest the money. There's no doubt. I think the one thing, and I, I kind of just started this, but between my crypto assets and my Webull account and then um, just other funds, the biggest thing that I've really learned in my discipline habits is when you start to see that uh, those those things turn red and they start going low is everyone wants to like, oh, I'm going to jump out. I'm going to do this. Oh, I'm going to jump out, hold the money in the account and then buy low instead of just like stick with it, be disciplined, know that if you pull it out, it's a loss. You now have, you actually unreal, you have a realized loss instead of uh, unrealized gains. So just let it go out and then keep buying more at the bottom. And I think that's where you kind of come in and you can be disciplined for us um, in the sense of, we don't have to be scared to pull our money out. You're going to do what's best for the account. Yeah. I'd say, you know, there, it's a great point, Reno. And, you know, a big part of our job, um, as wealth advisors is really handling the psychology side for people and keeping them, you know, disciplined on their long-term goals, you know, because if they needed that money within, you know, two to three years, quite honestly, it shouldn't have exposure to the market, right? Because we can see a three-year cycle while the, why the, you know, that the market is down, you know, and that's why everything needs to be risk adjusted for not only your personal goals, but really, you know, how much of a stomach do you have for the ups and downs? But sometimes it's just reminding people of that this is long-term money, showing them some actual data versus when they put on the news, um, you know, because we know that that's always accurate, right? So we yeah. have to help them sort through some of the nonsense out there and get back into really what's important because staying invested is crucial. And if you look at it, Oftentimes, it's not only crucial to stay invested, but maybe those asset classes that have fallen out of favor, what we can do is we can take some money from those areas that have gone up, invest them in areas that, you know, that are low and that have gone down because we've all heard the saying, buy low, sell high. But we as people, for whatever reason, we absolutely want to buy high and sell low. And that's how we realize losses and start chasing it. And that's why there's all kinds of studies out there that the individual investor um, that is doing it on their own is going to massively underperform institutions. It's not that there's a secret sauce out there. I, I mean, there is, but there isn't. It's that we're able to manage the emotions that we all have as human beings. 
because really, you know, when, when you talk about what people care about the most, you know, their family, um, you know, their, their God, whatever God they choose and, um, you know, and their money, put those in whatever order you want oftentimes. But at the end of the day, that is how deeply people care about it. And so there's a lot of emotion tied to it as well. I mean, that's the same thing we hear in the fitness world, right? Like, hey, take the emotions out of getting up and going to the gym. Yep. That's a habit. You go do it, right? No matter what's going on inside of the world, you know, or inside of your life, like you take the emotions out of it and you get in there and you do the training. It's no different here. Now, you mentioned this earlier, and I want to, you know, ask a couple of things that that you do, right? Whether yep. personally or the business does how to improve the discipline, right? So when you're working with someone like, you know, how do we improve that discipline? You know, and, and what I'm thinking in my mind, and maybe I'm giving the answer away, but it's like making it automatic, right? So, you know, I don't have to have the discipline to, you know, put 8%, 10% of my, you know, um, salary into retirement because it's automatic. It just happens every month. It's really the one of the benefits of a, you know, of a 401k or a 403b, 457, any of those types of retirement plans, depending on what type of entity you work for. Um, but you can do that through regular investment accounts, whether it's an individual account, joint account, you know, your Roth or traditional IRA um, is setting it up so that it's automatically coming in. So yes, it establishes the discipline for you. And it, it kind of takes it out of your hands of, you know, I'd like to go to Cabo, but I'm supposed to be contributing to this IRA thing. Which am I going to choose? We're humans. Oftentimes, Cabo it is. And I'm not saying you shouldn't go to Cabo. You know, heck, I might go with you. But I think it's, you know, we got to find that balance. The other thing on that, Jeremy, and what you're talking about is, is a concept called dollar cost averaging. One of the great parts is if you're putting in, let's call it $500 a month, okay? Let's call it $100 a month. When you put your $100 in a month, while prices are up, you're buying less shares. When prices are going down, you're buying more shares to take that ride back up. You actually could have invested in a dollar cost averaging strategy during the Great Depression and had positive returns and positive money during the Great Depression. It's absolutely incredible when you look at the data. Yeah. And I liked what uh, Reno was talking about this. And uh, I, I thought about this other day, like, you know, when things drop, especially if you're younger, right. You know, and, and you're, you're, you're Reno, you mentioned this with your play money. And this is what I, you know, I have a, a small account that I just, you know, buy some stuff and I, I caught my same thing. Right. I'm just trying to learn on my own, you know, but it's like, I try to buy when it's down. Cause I look at it as like, Oh, these stocks I'm interested, they're on sale right now. That's the way I look at it. Right. Versus looking, Oh man, I got to sell because it's going down. No, like I'm committed to leaving that money in there. Cause I don't need that money right now. Right. It's there. And then I look at it as when it goes down, it's on sale. So I always think of it as a good thing, you know, to a degree, if, if certain things are down, that means I am getting more bang for my buck at that time. I think you're hundred percent right. And you know, the other thing, if you are investing on your own, just like if I look at, you know, our stock portfolio, um, you should have disciplines on entry points and exit points. Don't ever buy a security without having an entry or an exit point, right? There's an old saying, fat hogs get slaughtered, and you can do that in stocks too. 
because they will naturally rotate because dollars move in cycles. And so having entry and exit points on there, and guess what? If it does drop, but you liked stock XYZ at 10 bucks, and guess what? Now you can buy it again at eight bucks and seven bucks. Again, assuming nothing has fundamentally changed for your theory on buying that company, buy it. Uh, is there something to um, try to, this might be a whole nother podcast too, but like the importance of people need to realize when you have all this money in the stock market or in like retirement accounts, those are assets and those assets lead to lines, lines of credit. So that opens up a whole nother door. So like um, of that, um, not necessarily credit card system, but uh, utilizing debt to your advantage. Um, I wonder, is there... Do a lot of people know that when they come in to maybe see you, like, hey, if they're putting in $500,000 into this and it grows to a million, well, now they can open up a line of credit against that asset um, as spending money, essentially. Yeah, I mean, you know, we have, uh, we have a couple of business partners that allow us to, um, you know, borrow against accounts as well so that, you know, maybe we're in a down market. Again, the worst thing you can do in a down market is to sell, right? But maybe the market is down, but, you know, you want to redo the bathroom or redo the kitchen in the house or help your kid with X, Y, or Z. Well, instead of liquidating that position, you can borrow against your account. And I'm not talking about margining it. There's other strategies out there, but you can borrow against it versus liquidating it and mm -hmm. selling it at a really bad time. So, you know, Reno, that's a great point. And again, having those assets going to help from a credit standpoint on multiple levels um, and you know, debt is not necessarily a bad thing. It's the type right. of what it's being used for. You know, I'm not saying our country's debt is wonderful <laughs> uh, or being used for great things either, but probably the wrong podcast for that. No, you're good. Send it. Perfect. <laughs> what is the, um, and I've heard this this saying, I want your input on it, what your thought is, but what does it mean to pay yourself first? Like, where does that saying come from inside of the financial world? What is it your take on it? And how would you educate that? Yeah, I mean, it's not something that is like kind of a hallmark for us. Again, we're going to customize a plan for each and every person, but you can look at it really twofold. You know, define yourself because part of that for me is yourself in your future, okay? So you can pay yourself there to invest in your retirement accounts, right? So that you're able to retire and do the things you want down the road, but you could have a short and intermediate term goal. Maybe it's a new house and things you're looking for. But I do believe, I think more to your point, Jeremy, there's probably, you know, there's a certain amount that you should be carving out to enjoy your life as well. Because if you're not giving yourself something to enjoy today, at some point, you're going to combust and just say the hell with the whole plan, right? Right. So you do have to find those different buckets of, we want to have that short-term reserve. We want to have this intermediate long-term reserve, but we also want to have, but I need X amount to go have fun and live the life that I want too. So I don't know if it's the exact definition, but that's ex that's how I would look at it and how we would recommend for someone as well. No, I love it. And I just, you know, that's a, it's, a, it's just a saying that I've written down. Yep. I wanted your, your take on it. And just to kind of recap where we're at for everybody, you know, it's like, Hey, start early, right? Mm -hmm. Start early in this process. You know, the, the saying of, um, you know, the best 
best time to plant a tree is, you know, yesterday. If you didn't plant it yesterday, let's plant it today, right? You know, and you mentioned this early, which I love this saying too, focus on the, you know, the windshield in front of you, not the rear view mirror. Nothing we can do about the past, right? Nothing I can do to make my, my mistakes go away. Nothing Reno can do, take those shoes back to Kohl's now, you That's know, right. 15, 15 years later, like <laughs> we got to move forward. You still have them? Yeah, <laughs> I actually do. I do. They're new. Ba- they're the ugliest new balances you could ever buy. But I spent a hundred dollars with Cole's credit card. We Whoa. need the. We need a photo of those. That <laughs> I'll see if I can find a, a photo of the car. Like we'll put up our biggest mistakes. Yeah. Um, hey, hey, Jeremy, let me go back to that because I think you're hitting on something that's really important, and it's a lot easier to understand when we quantify it. Let's say we're thirty years old, okay, and let's say we put in nine grand a year, okay. So 9,700 bucks a year is the number I used into your 401k, okay? And I w- we would never use 10% on a calculation, six to eight. You're young, so we used eight here. That number at 20 years comes to $481,000 at 8%. But here's what's wild. Let's say fast forward time and you would continue doing that for an extra 10 years. So now instead of 20 years, we're looking at 30 still contributing that 9700 okay on a monthly basis earning 8% instead of 480 that number is now just a shot a, a tad bit under 1.2 million and when you actually hear those numbers because the 480 you're like wow you know right. that's a staggering number then you fast forward and you say the difference in that extra 10 years it's absolutely incredible yeah and, 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 you know, I guess I'm just, I, I, I am hitting on my mistake, right. Saying, I wish I would have started my twenties. Right. You know, and what the other, you know, caveat to that is like, Hey, you're in your thirties and forties. You still have plenty of time oh, yeah. on your side, right. Yeah. To make this work to, you know, that 65, 67 years old and, and, and retire, you know, with that 1.5 million or higher, whatever, whatever it is. So, you know, very good point. Start early, be disciplined in order to help your discipline, make it automatic, figure out how to make automatic systems inside your plan where it's, you know, automatically comes out of your account. You're working with someone like yourself, all those things, let other people control it. And you hit on this earlier, because I think this is a big part of it. When you're, ha- when you handle my stuff, it's motions are out of it, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to freak out because my account drops, yep. right? There's nothing I can do about it, you know? Yep. I mean, I guess I could, I could, you know, but when you are dealing with that, you don't have the emotions of it, right? You're able to, same way when, when people get emotional about the scale, right? They want to make all these changes, you know, and good, good on me is I don't get emotional about it, right? I make adjustments based on results and trends, same thing that you're doing. So just kind of recap where we're at. And and the last little segment of today's, you know, I want to talk about is, um, you know, if you have a retirement at work, like you want to utilize it. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. And people ask, should I max out? Shouldn't I max out? Should I, you know, be funding a certain amount here and adding to a Roth? And I'd say, you know, those things change on each individual person. And part of that is the discipline of people. We could build the perfect strategy, but if it's too complex, people aren't going to follow it. And so that's a big part is understanding people's investing habits and their discipline to them. Um, but I think you should always invest in your retirement plan, at least if there's a match, okay? Because within your company retirement plans, you're probably not going to have all the greatest investment options because there's a cap on how many investments they can have in there versus 
you know, if you're working in an IRA or Roth outside of it, you have the entire universe to work with an advisor to help you figure out what the right investments are. But that matches free money in your pocket. A lot of companies will give 3%, 5%, whatever it is. Um, and some are required to, you know, depending on what type of plan. But that is free money. Yeah. 3% of your, you know, of your earnings, just it absolutely is imperative to do it. So would you say a fair goal for those that are listening, maybe they're late to the game, maybe they're, you know, they've been in the game and, and just haven't looked at it in a few years. Cause that would be one thing that I would say to, to everyone was like, take a look at it. Maybe you set it up when you first started working for the company and you haven't looked at it since, like you haven't touched anything, right? Cause you just, you set it up based on what maybe the HR person recommended. But I think a good goal that I would have, cause I like to, to, I like to give goals, I like to give action items on the podcast. I just want us to come in here and talk about mine and Reno's mistakes of our, our pretty little car and our shoes, you know. <laughs> um, but I would encourage everyone and challenge everyone to make sure that they are maxing out that retirement at work to at least the match that their company gives them, right? So if the company's matching, you know, 3%, you know, dollar for dollar, then like, hey, you should at least have 3% in there, right? And a lot of them will do, you know, whatever, they'll go up to 3% dollar for dollar, but then they might give another half of, you know, 50 cents on the dollar up to 5% or 6%. Like it varies company to company. Yeah, absolutely. It definitely varies. And the type of plan, you know, can impact that as well. And, you know, the last add-on I'd say there, and I mentioned it before, is give yourself some grace because you just talked about it. A lot of people go in, they'll set it up, and they don't look at it again. It's out of sight, out of mind. They know it's in there. They're like, man, am I investing properly? Am I investing enough? Don't beat yourself up. It's fine. You know, it it is time to look at it and make some adjustments for the future. But don't beat yourself up. Give yourself some grace. Be proud of what you have done and accomplished. And then make the quarter turn and look at the future and what it can hold for you. And while you're on this journey, this is the most important thing. I And I just started one, so I'm mad at myself that I haven't started earlier, of course. That's the theme of this one. Um, but um, a high-yield savings account. Like before you even start this, um, I use an Amex one, but uh, Capital One has a good one. I'm sure there's other ones that I don't know of. But my savings account through Chase is garbage. It's like 0 0.01. I think I make a penny every two months. Uh, my high-yield savings account, I just keep my uh, emergency savings funds in there, and it grows I think it makes like $200 a month um, just in the 5% or I think it's like 4.28% or something um, by itself. But no investments, it's it's liquid. I can pull it out any moment of time uh, that I want to. Um, that's a very key. If you don't have a high yield savings account, I recommend starting one. Yeah, I mean, you should be caring about, you know, depending on the person, somewhere three to six months expenses, living expenses and emergency savings for you know, that period when, you know, the tires, you know, get blown out, the engine blows up, um, you know, you need a new roof. Three to six months living expenses, that would be the first thing we tell someone to start with in investing, right? Because if not, you are going to rack up credit card debt at 18%, it's going to compound, and you're just going to have a mess on your hands. Mm -hmm. So establishing that, and if you look at, you know, the interest rate environment today, you know, you can get north of 5% in, in most money markets these days. We could not have had that same conversation two years ago. That isn't me saying that rates needed to go up um, at the rate and at the time and pace and things they did <laughs> a little late in that uh, wink, wink, which caused multiple things. But um, the reality is, you know, establish that short-term account 
and then make sure you are getting the right interest on it because it does accumulate and it matters. That might, oh. that might pay for Cabo, just the interest. Yeah, just for the year. Let's go to Cabo. Let's do it. Guys, I am loving this. I am going to shut us down to make sure that we keep this, you know, within the short uh, time frame that we're going to keep the podcast. Um, a transition, Tony, I would like to make next time we have you on is going in when we mentioned, you know, maximizing, you know, the work retirement and maybe going into the difference between a four, 401k pro, uh, program and a Roth, you know, program, right? And that way people know the difference and which one would be the, the best for that. Um, you know, I think that would be a great education topic that we should go into, but I just want to recap and then you guys can add on, you know, anything that you'd like, you know, so remember guys, you know, a lot of this is just going to be like your wellness journey. It's going to start with a plan, you know, and then running that plan. So it starts with, you know, maybe a budget, right. Maybe talking to someone in the case of, uh, like Tony, his company. And remember for our listeners, they are doing a free consult for anyone that wants to have a discussion, um, and then from there, you can work with them or, hey, maybe you just don't like Tony because he's 70 years old. And he's not going to be here much longer. And you decide, <laughs> decide it's not for you. That's OK. Um, then, you know, moving into that, maybe the first thing we look at is, is once again, that three to six months of, of living expenses put into, you know, high savings, um, a, a, a high yield savings or like you said, the money market somewhere we can get to that, but also earning something on it so we can go to Cabo. Um, and then Tom start early, right? And that might be early. First time you're hearing this podcast, you've just maybe not even looked at it. Your retirement, okay, that's early. Focus on the windshield. Don't worry about the rearview mirror. And then last but not least, discipline. Discipline is going to come into this as much as it is in our wellness journey, right? If we can make things automatic, if we can make them habits, those things stick, right? You know, so those are all things to consider, you know, as we're moving forward in this financial wellness journey. Hey, Jeremy, I think you pegged it. I mean, those are all those are all the keys. And, you know, again, we're happy to, you know, helping at anyone in any manner we can at Green Up. And I appreciate Jeremy pointing out my age. Um, however, most of the advisors at our firm are somewhere between oh, mid 30s and mid 40s. So I appreciate the disclosure there. <laughs> and Reno, do you have anything you'd like to add before we wrap this one up today? No, no, I think uh, we hit everything on on every point that I wanted to talk about. Awesome guys. As always ask you to share the podcast with your family, your friends. If you've not give us a rating, please go do that for us. And then in the show notes will be the direct link. If you guys would like to schedule with Tony and his company so that they can help you along your financial wellness journey till next time, guys have a wonderful day.